It's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 183. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening to you all. It's Tuesday the 28th of March. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. Coming up over the next hour, I recently caught up with the CEO of Gilero, Ted Mossler, to discuss leadership, entrepreneurship and why Athlone has been chosen as the latest global location for the specialists in design, development and contract manufacturing of everything from consumable medical devices to complex electromechanical drug delivery systems. The Square Café in Tullamore will trial new opening hours beginning this week as a result of staffing shortages, rising costs from suppliers and soaring energy prices that continue to threaten the wider hospitality sector. Kieran Connery will be on a bit later in the show just to outline exactly why they're doing it. And it possibly goes to show that a lot of these businesses, you know, that have weathered the storm effectively, you know, there still are challenges out there. So looking forward to hearing what Kieran brings to that debate and discussion a little bit later on too. You'll also hear about how a disused bank in a county leash town is being converted into some rental apartments and indeed a bookshop. And again, it kind of showcases what can be done when people in the community get together and to look at what's needed in their area and how they can go about actually making those changes. And anyone knows looking around our Midlands towns, there's many, many empty and derelict bank buildings sitting on our high streets as well that are just crying out to be repurposed as well so I'm going to bring you a little bit about that a little bit later on the show as well if you want to get in touch with me here in the studio and join this evening conversation please do so by text or whatsapp on 083 3010103 powered of course by the home of Offaly's top selling car brand Lamb Brothers Toyota and the Arden Road in Tullamore but first this evening I'm going to go across to Mullingar I'm delighted to be joined by John Gagan. John is the former president of Mullingar Chamber. He's now spokesperson for Economic Development, Enterprise and Tourism. And he's here to speak about the announcement this week. And first, Robert Troy, uh, TD for Longford Westmead, confirmed it in the Dáil earlier this week that the advanced manufacturing centre that had been uh, tar- pinpointed for Mullingar, it will go ahead later this year. They're in the st- at the minute, they're under the process of appointing a contractor and they're hoping that building works will start just after the summer of this year. Um, this is a project that uh, John was himself very passionate about in his tenure as President of the Chamber. John, uh, big news for Mullingar, I'd suspect. Yeah, Ronan, thanks for having me on. Look, it's great to hear the announcement that it's finally going to be developed. I mean, this, this is a proven route to high-quality employment in the regions, and it's taken over a decade for the IDA to get organised about doing it. And, and we were particularly frustrated with them five or six years ago when we met Martin Shanahan, the CEO, to, to see what was going on in Mullingar. And I'm delighted that finally, you know, five, six years later, it's actually getting green light. But I would express considerable frustration with the amount of time it's taken to make this happen. Is it going into a an existing building or is it an entirely new build? No, it's, it's a brilliant model. Basically, it's, it's, it's a new park at Ardmore and Mullingar where the IDA have spent in excess of 10 million euros building a kind of a greenfield park for foreign direct investment. So it's a new site today have got planning on for a large building for advanced manufacturing. So basically, they build the building with their own money. It costs about 12 million euros to build it. And when it's occupied, it should create about 100 jobs. And to give you some idea of the impact of that, like 100 jobs in this space pay about a million and a half in tax every year into the economy. So like a 12 million investment is paid back in eight years. It's one of the best ways possible of delivering economic growth in the region. Of course, there are some models already. I think one opened in Limerick, was it late last week as well, a similar advanced manufacturing centre? 
Absolutely. Limerick and, and, and Waterford has had a number of them over the years. Athlone got them back in today. Mullingar hasn't had a look at this stuff for well over 20 years at this stage. And it, it, it's, like, like I said, it's high time it's happening. And I think it's the beginning of the future. Like This is the first one from them in a quarter of a century. And it follows on to the development of a science park around the corner by Sterry Pack's Gary Moore. You know, this is the footprint of Mullingar going forward as an advanced manufacturing base, I think. And the centre is designed to enable businesses, um, you know, both FDI and Indigenous manufacturers to accelerate the adoption of digital technologies. It's about you know, testing out new technologies on, on factory lines. Therefore, is it going to be mainly available and they're useful to some of the bigger multinational companies? Or do you see a role for the more local SMEs in actually utilising it as well? Yeah, the model is targeted at a single occupier. So basically, it's the multinationals who are looking for a regional European base. And, and they tend to turn up and take on this property as their own flagship location. And then what happens after that is you have a cluster effect. So you can have small occupiers taking up buildings elsewhere nearby who work in the same industry or are involved in the same industry. And it tends to work very well as a cluster effect. Um, I suppose just the other thing is Westmead County Council nearby have got the green light to go ahead for planning themselves on a separate site. And uh, that's something we've been pushing them for a long time on. But alas, it, things happen slowly. Yeah, it was good to, good to have that confirmation about the AMC anyway this week. And it's I think it's expected, yeah, it's about around September time to see construction. Any idea how long it's expected to take to get it functional? Brilliant. I think, I think if they kick off before the end of this year, it should be occupied before the end of next year. So by the end of 24, we should see this thing moving and uh, see some proper activity out of it, which would be absolutely fantastic for local economy. When we speak of things moving as well, uh, you are now the former president of the chamber, although as people will gather, you're, you're far from stepping away from the chamber entirely. You've appointed a new president there. Can you t- tell us more about, about the recent appointment? Yeah, we're really lucky. Um, we, we've got a fantastic new president among our chamber. Alison English is her name. Uh, she runs a company called Jigsaw Training, and they, they specialise in training around the Midlands and the Eastern Seaboard for, for companies in lean manufacturing and lean products. And uh, she's a superb candidate, and I couldn't be happier with Alison taking over from me. And I'll take a bit of pressure off for the next year or two, hopefully, and I can focus on what I enjoy most. Absolutely, and look, no doubt there's going to be plenty more to come from you as well. Lots of stuff happening, I think, with the Chamber too, like the events are continuing. There's a, um, an operational excellence series coming up, I think, later this month in the Mullingar Park. Yes, there, there, there are a couple of events in the pipeline this year. Um, actually, there, there's quite a bit coming at us with the FLA as well later on in the year. So we're going to have a very busy year in the Chamber, we hope. That's hope a, it goes well. That's a, it's amazing, the FLA. We think back to last year, we're only a couple of months off it at this stage anyway. So look, it sounds like uh, the work won't stop for you as well. And it's great to see the, the growth of the Chamber. Uh, great to see that announcement. I know the Chamber had a huge impact in, in, in making sure that AMC gets delivered as well. So, John, thanks so much as always for joining us. And look thanks, forward Ronald. to talking to you and indeed Alison English uh, over the rest of the year. Pleasure. Thanks, Amin. You know, so that, that AMC building, if you look up the IDA websites there, even the Midlands 103 news pages, you can find a little bit more about that. They're a kind of tried and tested model now, and they really allow companies to look at the latest innovations in technology and how they can go about digitalizing their operations too. That is what keeps jobs in the Midlands. That's what creates more jobs. And I say that against the backdrop of more and more job announcements and losses in big tech companies happening every day. Um, you know, maybe not such huge effect on Ireland, but it is happening at the same time. And it just goes to show we can create jobs around the Midlands because if you talk to anybody in those sectors, there's huge challenges in finding good people, the right people, the qualified, the, the, the engineering people, the assembly operators that they need to run these companies. Speaking of that, a little bit later in the show, I'll introduce you to Ted Mossler, the CEO of Gilero. They've just set up an office in Athlone. It was another 
big announcement by the IDA around September of last year. They will, of course, be looking for people too. So stay tuned and you can find out a lot more about that. Time for a short break. Right back with some more big business stories for you in just a couple of moments. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. A low-carbon centre of excellence is opening this week in the Midlands. Leash Chamber of Commerce CEO Caroline Hoffman has been appointed as its new director and will assume the role this week too. The centre will help establish businesses transition to a low-carbon economy as well as being a hub for economic activity and the development of new businesses. Ms Hoffman says it's vital to help local businesses in becoming more sustainable. So the ground floor will be focused on startups, research will be tapping into EU funding that will benefit not only County Leash but also the Midlands region. Um, It was a very derelict building for a number of years so it's great to see it brought back into use and the job creation is is going to be so vital um, for the local area and of course supporting local businesses in their sustainability and decarbonisation journey. A big move there for Caroline and she will be in studio with me next week to talk more about the Cube and what it has to offer to local businesses and indeed the role it can play in decarbonising County Leash and its business activities as well. Speaking of County Leash and looking at repurposing and what can be done when a community comes together as well. Did you know that a closed Midlands bank is being offered a new lease of life? The bank is being offered this new lease of life. It's the former Bank of Ireland on Main Street in Mount Rav and it's to be converted into rental apartments and a community bookshop. After months of renovation works, it is now only a few weeks away from officially opening. Mount Rath businessman and independent councillor James Kelly has been speaking about the project with Midlands 103's Will Faulkner on Midlands today, earlier this morning. Well, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a business person first of all and I'm a councillor as well and I've been in business for a long time. So it was a business uh, uh, opportunity that, that I looked at. So what appeals to you about the building? Well, what is not to uh, be appealed about the building? Anybody that comes to Montreal and, and looks at this, the old Bank of Ireland building, it's a very imposing building and it's a beautiful old building. Um, it was uh, a manager's family for Lord Coote back in the 1800s. Uh, it was built for him and he lived in that. But, you know, I've seen an opportunity and I'm, I'm involved, as you know, I'm a county councillor in Leith as well. And Mount Rath was a great market town and it's a town that's fighting back now. And I'm also in, in the council, I've been an advocate for town and village renewal in Leith and I've, I've, I've been involved in Mount Rath, Forest and Osprey Commerce, Rath Downey, Dunamore, in, that, in, the, in those funding streams. So I, I looked at it as an opportunity, but also... Uh, there was a survey done there recently about the number of vacant buildings in Mount Rath and Mount Melick, and it wasn't didn't make up for for good reason. No, I think perhaps there's 120 vacancies, something in that order. Yeah, and probably that figure was the highlight figure, but uh, but it, it's not that it's not as bad as that. But yeah, it, 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 it's not good when you go through the towns and you see the vacant premises, and you know, uh, it, it's a big undertaking. But uh, you know, I I I I, I love a challenge. And I, there is an opportunity as well from the point of view. Uh, there is no accommodation. We have the lovely Roundwood House, of course, and Millbank House. But in the town there, there's no uh, accommodation. And the, the new uh, works that was carried out in the Sleeve Loom Cycleway as well. So tourism would have been uh, another attraction for me to, to for upstairs. So we're looking at short-term uh, Airbnb lettings. And then downstairs, we have a bookshop going in. So downstairs, I imagine, was in good order because it was recently used as a bank branch. What about the upstairs? 
Yeah, upstairs hadn't been lived in, I'd say actually 15, 16 years it hadn't been lived in and they actually had a leak there years ago as well which was rectified downstairs but upstairs was was left left as it was. But yeah, we've we've painstakingly got in there and we've uh, we've uh, respected the heritage of the building as well and, uh, you know, we have a few guys in there and they're working very hard and we're hoping to be open for business in the next month or so. So... The community bookshop, you could have done, I suppose, any number of things with the ground floor. Why did you settle on that? Well, you know, uh, the community bookshop, I I was approached about this myself uh, from, 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 from the group that want to go in there. And you, I don't know if any of your listeners might have heard of uh, 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 community bookshops, uh, um, branches there. They're called Books at One. They're in Letterfrack and Lewisburg and Mead Street. So... This uh, would not be books at one, but it's it's going to be called the book bank. But it's based on that where uh, there are community bookshops, so they operate in areas like they will say that there are areas that can be socially disadvantaged or in rural isolation as well. But they provide employment, work experience. But what happens is it's going to give local people an opportunity and a reason to shop locally for books. So. What support did you get to do this, or did you have to find all the money and all the know-how within your own resources? Yeah, no, I didn't look for any 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 uh, any support because you at the moment you won't get that until until really you're set up. Now I've been speaking to uh, the enterprise office in in Leash as well, and uh, you know uh, I've been talking to the people in there, but. We just went in there and we're we're getting it ready. And I know that down the line, then there will be like the front the front of it is in very good condition. Like, but the back of it, uh, there would be some of the windows in the back that that there might we might be able to go and look for a, a heritage grant to upgrade the windows at the back. But it's it's in good condition and there's a beautiful wall garden out the back of it, 60 meters by 30 meters, and we have the the. The uh, public car park, which is right beside it, so it's in a perfect location, and we we believe that it's going to be a great addition to the town, uh, and uh, it's 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 going to be uh, something that you know we hope people will enjoy with the bookshop, and we hope people that when they come to the area that they're going to be able to have accommodation in close proximity to the Sleep Blue Mountains and some of our other uh, major tourist attractions. That's James Kelly there, a businessman from Mount Rath, and of course a local councillor too, independent councillor with Leash County Council. And just talking about the effort that's been made there to repurpose a former bank building and to put, turn it into something that the people, the community, and indeed visitors to Mount Rath really need to allow them to enjoy the amenities that are in abundance around the Midlands as well. So well done to everybody there, a fantastic project, and uh, more of that needed around the Midlands too. When we look at the way things are changing, speaking about the landscape of our town centres, if you look at the way we do business and how we engage engage with consumers it'll probably come as little surprise but contactless payments are the highest they've ever been the banking and payments federation says three million taps per day worth 53 million euro were made in the last quarter of 2022 overall almost 17.9 billion was spent on contactless payments last year kieran white from kiki cabs in mullingar says he would be losing a lot of business if he didn't have a card machine was a, a bit of a demand there, uh, specifically for payments over the phone. If parents wanted a child picked up from school, or if a company wanted a parcel delivered down the country, they might want to pay over the phone. You know, if it was collection, say, in point A delivered to point B, and the person in point C was paying. I, I found I was turning down a lot of work like that that I couldn't do because I had no facilities to take the payment. 
again it's going to be that it's a constant source of debate as well are you somebody who taps for everything or do you still rely and trust cash only but uh, certainly the figures there from the banking and payments federation suggest many of you are going contactless at this point in time time now for another short break after that you're going to meet the ceo and the site manager also of Gilero. They're a new medical device company and design and engineering company that have set up in Athlone. They have a global footprint already, so I'm, I'm delighted to, to meet the CEO recently and discuss, amongst other things, entrepreneurship, business development, but also to try to get to the bottom of why they chose Athlone as their latest global location. So that's coming up very shortly. And then later on, we'll hear from the owner of the Square Cafe in Tullamore. They've decided to change their opening hours and to close a couple of days for a trial period. And again, citing just rising costs and, and consistently challenging costs out there. And it is a very good restaurant. It's a great reputation. It does quite well for itself too. So it goes to show the challenge exists and a lot of businesses are feeling the pinch of rising costs over the last number of years. So plenty more to come here on Taking Care of Business. Taking Care of Business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Coming up shortly, find out why the Square Cafe in Tullamore is changing its open hours. Uh, but first, I w- had the pleasure of going to Athlone recently where I got to meet the CEO and he one of the co-founders of a company called Gilero. They have fast grown into a one-stop shop for the design, development and contract manufacturing of everything from consumable medical devices to complex electromechanical drug delivery systems. Now, in, back in September last year, there was an announcement from the IDA that Gilero were going to establish an office in Athlone. That has since come to pass, albeit in temporary accommodation at the minute. But uh, the CEO, Ted Mossler, was in town recently to meet the team there and he laid out some of their ambitious plans for the years ahead for the company as well as talking about that I also got to ask him about you know and, and look at things like entrepreneurship and leadership within the Galero group he was one of three co-founders all of whom are still in the business a man who entrepreneurism an entrepreneurialism is definitely at the core of everything he does so I began by asking Ted just to find out exactly what do Galero do yeah we founded the company Galero in 2002 as you mentioned uh, myself and two other engineers. So I'm an engineer by background, design engineer myself. Um, We founded the company based on kind of our um, collective love for design and uh, specifically medical device design and development. Um, We worked together at a company that um, designed and manufactured medical devices and we worked well together. We're all pretty entrepreneurial people. And so um, we wanted to kind of break out on our own and do it um, as a service business. And so that really, um, it's that collective interest in design and development and our entrepreneurial spirit that that uh, drove us to start Galero in, in, in 2002. So what's the main, from a day-to-day perspective, what did the company do? What are the main things they undertake? And what sort of service or product to deliver to the end users? So since day one, we've been providing design and development services to medical device, pharmaceutical companies, to startups, well-funded startups, um, doctors, nurses with ideas. So um, the scale of the projects, um, day one, were quite small compared to where we are today, but largely due to the fact that our team was small, so that we could only handle um, certain size projects at the time. Um, But medical device and pharmaceutical companies um, who produce and sell products in sell into hospitals say for instance or devices that are kitted, kitted with a, a pharmaceutical drug um, require that design development manufacturing up front so we provide that service to 
to those companies. We provide that engineering expertise in design, development, and manufacturing of these, these devices. So Galero is that front end, um, and we take it all the way up to the point of finished, uh, regulated, commercialized device, and then our clients, the pharma companies, the medical device companies, they um, sell those devices then to the end users. Can you give us a sense of the, the scale of operations both in the U.S. and, and globally now? Yeah, so, so Galero um, has 130 employees now. Um, we have a design office in North Carolina and Carlsbad, California, just north of San Diego and Chicago. Um, and in Athlone now and in Ireland. Um, these regions of the world are also concentrated regions of medical device and pharmaceutical companies. Um, later this year, we will open a uh, design office in the Northeast in the United States, um, so in New Jersey. That, that site will serve like the greater New York area and Boston. Um, last year, we also opened a manufacturing facility in uh, Tijuana, Mexico. Um, so that, that largely serves our North American um, uh, market for manufacturing. And then we have a manufacturing facility also in North Carolina, about 40 minutes from our design office. Um, and that facility uh, largely serves our, our pharmaceutical clients. So we can handle um, combination uh, drug device products there. And um, that part of our business is fast growing. We've double, we'll double our revenue in manufacturing in, in a single year. Um, but it's still the smaller part of our business because we've been designing and developing for 20 years and we've only been uh, uh, manufacturing our own, in our own factories for the last, uh, say, three years. The announcement kind of broke, or the news broke around September last year that you were going to set up a base here in Athlone, a design centre as well. What prompted you to come to Ireland and why Athlone? I know we're sitting here in, as you say, a hotbed of medical device and kind of a med tech of the med tech industry in the country here. But what were the real kind of factors that helped you make that decision? And did organisations like the IDA play a role in that? Um, so s specifically, why did we choose Ireland um, and then Athlone? Um, First, Ireland. Um, for, for Galero, if you look at the global market of med device and pharma, um, roughly a third is, say, North America, US-centric um, companies. Another third is, is Europe, and then another third is the rest of the world. Um, we're, we're, for now, not going to try to tackle the rest of the world, but we, we feel like we have a very strong base already in the United States. So we selected Ireland to be our uh, foothold in, in the European market. Um, to be able to serve our customers better, we need to be in, in the region. We need to be in the same or similar time, time zones so we can uh, have active collaboration with our clients. So we selected Ireland because, hey, I like the language. <laughs> I'm pretty good at the English, it's handy, it's you know. Handy, yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, it is it is pretty easy to collaborate. It's only right now four hours difference, five hours normally. And um, so we can work together and collaborate on projects. Um, Ireland specifically is very business friendly. Uh, 
for companies like like Galera to start and to run. And um, you have a, already a, a very well-established medical device and pharmaceutical um, um, company base. And so being here and being surrounded by people who are already educated and trained in, in our industry um, is important for us to be able to recruit and to hire. And a perfect example is when we hired our first um, engineer here in Ireland. I was very pleasantly surprised by the talent uh, of, of applications. And so when we put our post out there, um, we got multiple very qualified candidates for our first uh, position. And I couldn't have been more happy with, with that. We're based in our headquarters is in North Carolina, which is, you know, strong, let's say, for med device and pharma, but it's not a, as concentrated as here. It's not as concentrated as Southern California and, and uh, other areas of the, of, of the, around the globe. And so that concentration um, just made it easy to select. So business, environment, language, time zone, but, but most of all, concentration of med device and pharma already that's established here. And had Ireland come onto your own radars yourselves as you looked for that next strategic location or was there a bit of intervention or from, from the likes of IDA to sort of yeah. make you aware of, of the potential for Ireland and for that loan? Yes, so in the second half of your question, um, IDA absolutely played a part. Um, they were extremely supportive of, of the work that we needed to do to, to kind of scout for locations, to scout for, um, for talent and um, resources. So IDA uh, was uh, very helpful. I think my first um, official, uh, say, business scouting uh, visit was in 2019. And, um, and I, I looked at multiple regions of the country, and IDA was with me the entire time. And uh, they've supported us and continue to do so today as we um, build up our, our base here in Ireland. You're currently located on the East Campus in, in Toos, the Technological University of Shannon. But what are your long-term plans for that loan? How do you see the team growing and, and what maybe range of services will we ultimately see being delivered from, from this town? Um, yes, as you said, we're, we're in a kind of a flexible uh, space at the Innovation Research Center. And um, they've been very helpful in, in helping us get started. With, with time, and I would say within the next... Um, 18 months, our intent is to find our own dedicated space. Um, we'll, we'll need the space to build out um, our laboratories for testing of, of medical devices. We'll need space to build up our prototype shop so where we can um, build up and uh, pilot, you know, build products. We'll have a human factor suite included where we can invite in clinicians and uh, users of devices to uh, um, evaluate products um, during the development process and in general computing you know power infrastructure etc that we need to to be able to develop products our initial focus in Europe in Ireland is from a design and development perspective much like we've grown the company we started with design and development, we've added manufacturing. And um, the fact that we added manufacturing um, 
spurred more growth and de- development. We win projects because we can make it. Yeah. And and um, we win manufacturing jobs because we can design it. So it's it 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 is it happens in both directions. It is our full intent, and it wasn't in this business cycle, but it'll be in our next business planning cycle. Uh, we will incorporate a manufacturing facility also nearby. I think it would likely be right here in the Midlands, here uh, near our design center. But um, you know, being here in the center of the country, where we, with a short drive and east or west, we can be in these concentrated areas, but uh, with a lot less traffic. Bear in mind in Ireland, that's a long drive. I know in the States and North Carolina, Carolina, it's not as well. As was the question I'd have for you, be, as somebody who's the founder of the company and you know, innovation, entrepreneurship is at the heart of everything you do. As the company, as Galero expands and grows, how do you keep that innovation? How do you kind of inspire your, your own teams to continue to innovate and to look at new products, new opportunities, the way that you and your co-founders have done? It's a, that's a great question, and that's the reason why we um, we have two of our team members have moved here um, to get things started for the first couple of years. Uh, their full plan is to return to their homeland, to come back to the United States. Um, but it is, but the the reason that they came over is to kind of instill our culture with the local team. They're able to get the facility started here in Athlone because um, they, and they can do so successfully because they have the support of all of the team back uh, in the United States, you know, 100 plus additional people who can support them every day. When we started the company in 2002, we didn't have that luxury, right? Um, Today, we know that this will be successful. We know that the market is there. And... um, it's that collaboration, that innovation, that that integrity, and um, that customer focus. That's part. That is our culture, and and uh, that entrepreneurial spirit uh, uh, permeates our full culture, our full company. Um, each of the design offices, they weren't started by, let's say, the most experienced uh, Galero person. They were started by individual entrepreneurial Galero employees who, who were driven. Um, um, I started Galero when I was um, 27, and I've got some gray hair now that <laughs> Ronan that you can see. But um, uh, Megan and Jim, I think Jim's the same age as me. Megan, I think, was 25 when she started with us and was it was willing to take this on. So it's that entrepreneurial spirit that has made us successful to date. Um, we have a gentleman, Rob, in Carlsbad, California, near San Diego, that um, started that site. I think he was not even 30 yet, and that is the model that we'll be building our Athlone office after. And uh, we've already um, built that team up to, I think, 16 or 18 people, and it's just continuing to grow. And um, we know to serve our customers well, we can't be a bureaucratic you know, slow to react company. We need to be nimble. We need to be quick. It sounds like you you allow and probably encourage people to take a risk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I was looking for people to volunteer to take it on. And I, I, 
when when we announced our plans to grow our business in the way that we've grown it, um, I was very pleasantly, um, I'll say, surprised by uh, how many people raised their hand and said, "Would you consider me to take this on?" And so um, I couldn't be more happy with how it's gone. Understandably, you can see that it's 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 permeates from you as well. That kind of sense of that leadership, and and you can see what's happening there. I think there's many many good days ahead as well. Ted, from one grey-haired engineer to another, thank you so much for taking time out to to meet me today, and uh, we look forward to following the whole Galero story as it develops over the coming years. And thank you very much, Ronan. I appreciate the time. And as Ted Mosler mentioned there, some people have come over and relocated from the States, apparently on a temporary basis, in order to get the Aplon, that loan office up and running and to instill that Galero uh, culture and innovative and know-how uh, into into the staff that they're going to start recruiting there as well. One of those people, and Ted kind of name-checked her there, is Megan Connolly. And Megan is Senior Product Development Engineer, and she's also the Site Manager for the Athlone Office. She's relocated from North Carolina to oversee the establishment of the office, and uh, there will, of course, be some job roles coming up too. Here's what Megan had to say when I chatted her briefly last week too. It's been great um, to see the growth in Galera over the last three years and now get to really take an active role in it uh, by coming over here and joining um, as site manager, creating the Athlone office. It's been a really great transition. The Irish people are incredibly welcoming and kind as we've started to grow our team here as well. I've really enjoyed it. Of course, Ted has pointed out to us like there's highly ambitious plans for, for Galero too. So even here in Athlone, you're going to look at fairly shortly at beginning to recruit. You've three team members on site at the minute. That's going to expand rapidly. What type of people and what type of roles are you looking for? Yeah, absolutely. A big reason for coming to Ireland is not only the large medical device and pharmaceutical industry here, but the really great talent pool here as well. We're going to be looking for folks that have that you know entrepreneurial, innovative spirit, looking for talented design engineers, project managers. Um, Galero has a really wide service um, that they offer from human factors, quality, regulatory, um, but looking for people in that medical device space that are anxious to to help people and get new products to market. That's what Galera is all about. Will the primary focus be on experienced individuals or will there be opportunities for graduates as well from the likes of TUS? Yeah, we're open to a wide range of experience. Galero is really focused on finding people that have the drive and desire to learn. And so we're, we're open to all experience levels. That's two of the team there from Galero, uh, Megan Connolly, Senior Project Development Engineer and a Site Manager at Loan. And before that, you heard from Ted Mossler, the co-founder and CEO of Galero. Ambitious plans, and I hope you get a sense there of why companies such as Galero are picking at Loan and picking the Irish Midlands to locate their companies as well. It's a fantastic um, backing for this area. And you know we all know there's much more to come and more we can do as well. Time now for another short break. After that, we'll be back with the owner of the Square Cafe in Tullamore. They've decided to trial out new opening hours, and it's largely driven by the issues that we all know exist within the hospitality sector, rising prices of energy, rising you know, cost of doing business, rising food costs, the challenges with attracting and retaining staff as well. So let's dig a bit deeper into that after this break with Kieran Conroy. Talk to you very shortly. Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. 
the Square Cafe in Tullamore, an absolutely fabulous spot for a bit of breakfast, lunch or even an evening tea. And um, it's widely known for being very generous as well within the community as well in helping out other local businesses. But also it started a scheme during COVID where you could go in and you could pay for a coffee or a treat for somebody. And for somebody maybe a little bit less advantaged who needed to just take that little post-it note and cash it in and get themselves a little treat. So um, say very fam- very, um, very well known, very popular restaurant too. But it actually announced yesterday on Facebook that it was going to trial some new open opening hours that it was going to start closing on Mondays and Sundays and it was citing that like many businesses in the hospitality sector uh, they're battling staffing shortages rising costs from suppliers and soaring energy costs so it goes to show that whilst I think officially the last Covid testing centres are closing this Thursday it doesn't mean that we're over the Covid thing and that you know restaurants and everyone in the hospitality sector is now in the clear again but uh, let's find out a little bit more about what's actually happening from the owner of the Square Cafe Kieran Conroy Kieran probably a little bit of surprise from people to see the announcement because I know you certainly were generally very busy on, on Sundays in, in the cafe what was the real reason that prompted you to, just to try out these new opening hours Yeah well so basically Ronan we've been kind of going through uh, our configures from last year and comparing them the costs and everything and we've just decided that you know a seven day business model for us right now you know isn't isn't working for us and we needed to reduce costs you know as you said our energy costs are up by over 120% our food costs from suppliers is up over 70% year on year. And, you know, we're looking at ways to basically, you know, maximise, you know, our profit margins by maybe just reducing our hours and reducing reducing our staffing costs. And with those rises, like, you know, are, do you foresee any of those coming down steadily over the next couple of months? Or, unfortunately, are things like the food and the costs being, you know, taken from the suppliers, are they just likely to keep increasing, do you think? Yeah, well, it's like every week we're getting emails from suppliers saying, you know, price increases on certain things. So I don't see that coming time anytime soon. You know, we've locked in our energy price until August of this year. We kind of do it every year. So, you know, that went up, the unit price went up by over 120%. So that's not going to decrease, you know, until, you know, August, if, if it will decrease. I'm not, I'm not sure if it will. Now, we obviously have registered for the TVESS scheme and that, does help a little bit, but we're, we're getting forty percent back of the increase. The increase or our costs, you know, for um, electricity is still eighty percent higher than than what it was say this time last year. Yeah, that's that's going to be challenging for anybody to try to counteract, especially where you know you, you've got a very fast moving product as well, kind of a high turnaround on products and probably mm. low margin overall too. So it's you can't just pass it on to the consumer then. No, like our with our. Profit margin is, is is like ten percent. You know that's kind of based on what we're looking at, and there's only so much we have. Obviously, had to put our prices up. It's not something we like doing, um. But we have no option but to try and pass some of it on. Otherwise, we we won't remain in business. But there's only so much that people will pay for a sandwich or a breakfast or a coffee. So we're we're conscious that like obviously people are hard hit themselves with with inflation. So we're we're trying our best to keep the prices as reasonable as possible for the, for the you know for the excellent product that we offer. Are there any other energy saving schemes or incentives out there that A, are worth looking at and indeed viable, I suppose B, in any way viable for an establishment such as the Square Cafe? Um, I suppose for us, we are, and, and uh, you know, an, an old, we're in an old listed building, so there's not much that we can do. You know, other premises, I suppose, could retrofit, you know, and get some energy grants for for, for them for, for changing the way that they do things. But because you know we are a listed building, there's, there's not much that we can do to change how how the building is, or you know we could change. We our oil is our heating, which is not covered under the energy scheme yet. They are talking of bringing that in, 
but you know what if you change it to gas or electric you're still you're still paying you know the same prices that you're paying now so you know for for certain businesses yeah absolutely they can but just for us we are kind of hamstrung in the fact that we we are operating over this building and it's very difficult to make any changes to, to to them types of buildings in your post you've also cited staffing staff shortages as an issue too is that something that is has been kind of prevalent for a prevalent for a couple of years particularly through covid and is it is it just getting worse now and is it getting extremely difficult to get people in, in the first instance yeah it is like i suppose all industries are, are are struggling but definitely the hospitality sector is you know, a lot of people left the industry during covid because obviously businesses were shut within the different industries and you know they're just not willing to, to come back out but especially chefs you know a lot of businesses are struggling for chefs chefs uh, are you know highly sought after and a lot of good chefs unfortunately have left the industry and so there's a lot of places struggling to, to, to fill that void and you know it is a speciality job that you can't just you know go in and do do the job that especially a lot of chefs do to the standard that, that they prepare food a lot of them are you know very experienced and trained so that 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 is a huge problem and it's not just for us it is you know other 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 um, hospitality um, businesses as well but not even that it's just gen- general staffs so are hard we are very lucky we have brilliant staff staff that are very loyal to us and you know we try and look after them but even even with that it's it's hard to recruit for you know to to make up for the extra days which is another reason why we've for now have decided to produce it to five days a week they try to consolidate what you have and continue delivering that great service and the great food just on a, on a, on a shorter time span as well and yeah, try to, to yeah. maximise it I suppose and keep delivering to consumers as well as you as you look across for the year ahead I know it's very hard to predict where prices are going almost impossible but another thing that's going to happen later this year at the end of August is the VAT rate will go back up to 13.5% is that a concern for people in the sector? Absolutely, like it, it, I actually didn't think they were going to extend at one stage, and it, it was you know a big worry and stress because you know nine percent I, I I believe should be made permanent, not for everybody in 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 the in the hospitality sector, but it, you know for for us it should be like so hotels could certainly move back up to thirteen point five percent. I know they said that that's not a model that they could do, but there is other countries that do operate on a model like that that they do have hotels and other large hospitality businesses. On a, on a different fat rate to the smaller ones, like thirteen point five percent for us is an extra fifty percent increase on top of a I know a large VAT bill that we do pay every two months, and coupled with everything else, it will put businesses, it will put small cafes and restaurants out of business, no doubt. Certainly not what we want to hearing as well. And going to end on a, on a slightly lighter note, the parrot that was had lodged itself onto your <laughs> building today, did you find a home for it, or did it find its way home? It, it, I think it's found its way home. It, it was outside, keeping, out, open top of the building, keeping us company uh, all day. And you, even customers were coming in, they were amused. It, it, it was certainly uh, chirping away all day. But um, yeah, come about half four, it decided I think it was uh, sick, sick of us and has moved on. So hopefully it's found its way home anyway. Because right, I heard Lorraine McCormack actually earlier, she was saying she was following it on Facebook and Instagram all day as well. So maybe the parrot was told its other half it was going to work or something and was just chilling for the yeah. day. But anyway, Kira, listen, all the very best for the Square Cafe. I know it's a hugely popular cafe in Tullamore and rightly so. And uh, look, hopefully these new opening hours, you know, help you consolidate the business. And, you know, who knows, let's see it maybe open full time again later in the year. But uh, certainly more government supports wouldn't go amiss as well. And, and, and a reduction in energy and, and supplier costs as well. But all the best for now, Kieran. Thank you as always. Thanks very much, Ronan. Appreciate it. That's Kieran Conroy there, the owner of the Square Cafe in Tullamore. I'm going to paint on a picture of what it's really like being an owner of a business in the hospitality sector at present. You know, just because we think COVID is finished and it's going to be declared is over, doesn't mean that those challenges haven't gone. And then you put in, add to that, the multiplier effect of what's been happening in 
after the invasion of Ukraine on energy prices, on oil prices, gas prices, electricity prices. And as Kieran says there, uh, suppliers putting their prices for food prices up by about 70% year on year. Very, very hard to, to battle that and lead come out of that on the right side, but no better people to try and do so. And that is that wraps up Taking Care of Business for this week. Hope you've enjoyed it. You found it useful and you found some good stories there that can help you in your business or that business that you're thinking of starting as well. Joe Cooney will be here after the news at 8 o'clock with Country Roads. I, of course, will be back in the hot seat next Tuesday from 7pm and uh, bringing you lots of the big business stories from around the Midlands. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. Taking care of business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.